It's the TEH podcast, episode number 179. I'm Leo Notenboom for askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of macmost.com. So it's the end of the year almost. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're recording this on the 20th tomorrow. As somebody else put it, um, it's his favorite day of the year because they start getting longer. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. It's the end of the. Uh, yes. And <clears throat> end, end of that, the solstice. Shortest, shortest day of the year. Uh, those of us craving sunshine or light or something other than dark uh, will start to get progressively happier over the next three months. Strangely anyway, enough, I think it's the same for, for if you have to go to the post office often. Uh, right now is about the time when it is the worst. Yes. <laughs> but then, but then like, you know, starting like on the 22nd, it's like, eh, it's not as bad because people realize it's too late. too late. And then, and then suddenly the, you know, by the 26th, 27th, it's back to normal. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Although there's no, no post office happening here today. I think we've got a package that needs to get dropped off, but no, we got um, a few inches of snow here. Uh, this yeah. So Interesting. we are, uh, uh, we are, I suppose if it were an emergency, we could head out there. But in reality, it's uh, safer to stay home. So that's what we're going to do. Yep. 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 So, and I, apparently this week is supposed to get um, um, colder. Oh, um, yes. Without a lot much, without much more moisture. What's it, like is, down, what's it like down there right now? Well, that's the top story here is the uh, approaching weather because um, it is supposed to get uh, somewhere possibly as low as negative 20. <laughs> uh, but on Thursday night and Friday night, uh, unusual for the city, for Denver here. Right. Um, it, you, we do get below zero once in a while, but it, and it's also unusual that it's been in the mid 40s. I think it just touched 50 today. So it's going to take a big, deep dive. There, I was just yeah. out for a walk and um, there are sign people have put signs up reminding people to, you know, let your faucets drip and keep your thermostat, you know, something above 60 some degrees or whatever right, um, right. to prevent uh, pipes freezing and such. Uh, so, yeah, that's um that's, that's something yeah it's on everybody's minds right here this cold no wet no well there might be some snow but i don't think in the city here but mostly the cold is what everybody's worried about right now that's freaky and i have a hard time even imagining it because seattle i don't think has ever gotten below zero i think our low to our yeah. record low temperatures on the order of like four or five um and and for our uh, saner uh, uh listener uh, mm -hmm. these are fahrenheit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly They're all thinking yeah come on minus minus 20 well i suppose minus 20 celsius is probably getting close to about the same in fahrenheit but yeah there's another point at which they cross over down there but yeah. uh but yeah so cold well i hope you stay warm yeah yeah i hope so too right you know yeah only, that's the thing is you don't really have a backup whole whole house furnace right you know when you live in an old house you've got a furnace yes if everything works the way it should then you know everything's fine it's but if it decides that that's the day <laughs> that it's going to fail on you it's like uh hmm, yeah you have to have a backup plan and all that that happened years ago with my parents it was one of these kind of cold snaps and the furnace yeah. decided nope i'm done Ugh. and uh, then of course it was all about scrambling to find somebody who could fix it and temporary heating in the interim and oh yes yep. so yes i hope not not only do i hope it keeps working i hope that even if it's running 24 hours, that it actually has enough thermal output to keep your house relatively warm. Because at some yeah. point, 
you know, it's going to say, you know, I just can't keep up, even if it's running constantly. So right, right, yeah, that's true. Anyway, so, so we're yeah. at the end of the year. Um, it's yeah. been an interesting one. I thought that it's also a slow news period for. Mm -hmm. Uh, certainly for consumer tech. I know business tech has its stuff happening from time to time. I mean, there's probably been yet another exposed Amazon S3 bucket. Um, you know, those kinds of stories <laughs> those are are pretty constant. But from a consumer side, things have been kind of quiet. So I think with one exception that we will touch on. But um, so I thought it might be interesting to go over some of the uh, the stories we talked about over the year and some of the other mm -hmm. things that um, may be uh, were notable in 2022 and uh, see now at the end of the year what we think of them uh, yeah the, the, the one it's funny I, I actually went through our prior episodes just to look at some of the the topics that we talked about and first on the list was nfts which mm -hmm. i thought was which i thought was fascinating we talked about them a few times um i think we decided that they were so much snake oil and uh what's really funny in in this you know look back is that um yeah they made a big splash here just a couple of weeks ago and somebody was trying to sell a bunch of nfts mm -hmm. um to average consumers nfts are interesting only only if you know what they are yeah. um, and unfortunately i think a lot of nfts got sold to people who didn't understand what they were and now they're struggling to understand what to do with these NFTs. They, I think they both thought that they were buying something physical. Um, but in reality, they just, you know, they bought some bits that are in a particular order. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not it. Um, it along with uh, crypto, which actually didn't make the list, because we actually haven't talked about cryptocurrency that much this year. Mm. But along with crypto, um, you know, that whole Web3 NFT cryptocurrency, that seems to have taken a bit of a dive towards the end of the year, both in terms of value and in terms of mindshare. I just thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think uh, we have always, though, talked about the fact that both crypto and NFTs have underlying technology that is really interesting. Yes. But the application of cryptocurrency and uh, NFTs as like mostly artwork, graphic artwork, um, are kind of the novelty. Uh, maybe not cryptocurrency so much a novelty. I wouldn't describe it as that. But but definitely NFT artwork, um, I would say, is the novelty use, which is has been true for a lot of technology over the years for photography yeah. and video and and radio and all of that is like, you know, some of the first uses of it. Um, and some of the first commercial successes or failures have been very novelty and frivolous and just for entertainment value or whatever. Uh, but it doesn't mean the underlying technology is bad. I think there's still uh, in blockchain some really interesting uses, but they just may not be uses that people may even realize blockchains underneath. You know, you know, you may have, uh, for instance, uh, you know, the ability. Maybe not so much to buy and sell artwork, but it would be interesting to years from now be able to bring a a kind of a legal case against somebody claiming they created artwork and you say, no, you didn't. And I've got the <laughs> the NFT to prove it with right. the blockchain ledger right. and everything to say that I did this 10 years ago, you know, that kind of thing or, you know, a property um, 
deeds to property and the blockchain. We were, that's all one of the things stuff. we talked about yeah. originally was actually doing, you know, currently is a, a paper-based or mostly paper-based kind of thing um, at our county courthouse. I mean, that just seems like ripe for some kind of a blockchain solution. Yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of the, uh, um, the things we've been seeing uh, this year have been uh, problems in search of, what do I want to say solutions in search of problems, a, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's plenty of ways to buy and sell digitally authenticated collections of bits. Um, oh, yeah. NFTs, okay, fine. I mean, sure. It seems like a lot of work. <laughs> and as yeah. it turns out, not a lot of value. Anyway, something else we were talking about earlier, earlier this year, um, you were talking about it from a technology point of view. I was talking about it from a hype point of view was mm. 5G. Mm. Um, my, my, my issue with 5G was that um, ultimately a lot, maybe a lot like uh, blockchain is, yeah, it's cool and all that, but nobody needs it right now. Yeah. Um, and, the, and their marketing is still kind of, it's, it's calmed down a little bit, but they were marketing the heck out of it. Um, you know, the largest 5G network, yada, yada, yada. And yet for the most part, um, especially given what what the vast majorities of consumers are doing with their phones, their mobile devices, um, it doesn't really have a lick of difference. It does make a, diff mm. a bit of difference to what people are doing. Mm. Um, I do know that uh, when I replaced my phone earlier this year, uh, it was not on my bullet list of requirements. But yeah, every once in a while, there's a little 5G icon up in the upper right-hand corner that tells me, oh, you're on a 5G network. Mm. I would not I would not have known, <laughs> right? It's just <laughs> right. not the kind of... And maybe eventually there'll be some, some applications, some use cases that actually make sense for 5G. But um, again, right now, it is still one of those things that um, it's a technology, it's a solution in search of a problem. Exactly. As all my travels this year, I would sometimes see 5G, sometimes not, and sometimes be frustrated by the fact that um, I would only notice when there's a problem, right? That's when you mainly notice how how mm. good your, you know, what it says up there is when it's like, oh, this page isn't loading, this app isn't telling me something. Do I have a decent connection? How many bars, right? right. And sometimes I'd look and it would be like, hey, it says it's 5G, but why am I having trouble? Well, because there's a lot more steps to an internet connection exactly. than just that first one. And so, yeah, I was like, well, great. I have a 5G connection standing here in the middle of the street in Sweden, yet I still can't load this app up. You're getting those failure something else messages is going really on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, are you still playing Wordle? Did you no. Yeah, well, I I did uh, as a game developer. Of course, I, any game that gets people's attention as much as this did, um, I'm going to want to at least understand it. Uh, but you know, I I didn't uh, keep playing every day. I still see people. I still have some people on my social media networks that still post their you know boasts about it only took me three tries to get the Wordle today or something. Um, yeah, so, well, you know, you know. I, I might be one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe you are. That's... I'm not doing it every day, but um, I am still doing it occasionally when I'm when I'm you know sitting around. What I did not realize, and the reason I ended up actually playing a little bit more now, is that um, they integrated Wordle into the New York Times crossword puzzle app. Now, the issue, um, the the thing that I didn't realize, New York Times games like the mm -hmm. crossword 
are an additional subscription above and beyond the New York Times. So I'm a New York mm. Times subscriber, but I'm not subscribed to the uh, to the crossword. However, uh, as it turns out, Wordle is free. Um, there's a couple of other things I think that are free as well. Uh, so they've actually bundled it into the app. So even though I'm not subscribed to this, I can now play it on my phone um, in the app. And uh, and oh. it's, you know, it's since I'm logged into my New York Times account, it's keeping track. So I get my stat, my stats are all updated and so forth. But yeah, it is still one of those things that I'm, I'm occasionally doing to, uh, to distract myself at various points in time throughout the day. Yeah. Only once a day, I guess, but yes. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's, and it's still around like you, I do have a, a set of people that are posting their results in various places, but the, uh, the dramatic influx of, uh, of Wordle playing has seemed to have gone down mm. on a uh, purely personal technology type thing. I was trying to decide, you know, over the course of the last year, which technology um, did I somehow encounter or experience or start using that's made the uh, the biggest difference in either what I do every day or how much I enjoy what I do every day. Mm -hmm. And I came to the conclusion that um, OBS, uh, was it Open Broadcast Software System? system? Yeah. Um, which is essentially a, a wonderful way to uh, manage video and audio inputs, record outputs, stream or the combination of things to um, uh, to streaming services and so forth. That to capture my content and then DaVinci Resolve, the, uh, the video editing software mm -hmm. that I'm using to edit that stuff. Um, that has actually uh, both uh, been a lot of fun to learn because I'm learning DaVinci Resolve. I'm doing all sorts of things with DaVinci Resolve that I've never done with other video editing software before. And um, it just the ease in which I can now, um, you know, turn on a camera, start recording a video, and then do something with the results is actually pretty cool. That's, that's like I said, I, I was searching for something technological to be, to be enthusiastic about since that's what the E and TEH stands for. And, uh, and that's what I settled down on. Anything come to mind for you that falls into that same kind of sort of category? You know, my year has been pretty stable. Like I was, I was looking at my desk here. I mean, all of the main things that really make uh, my job easier to do, like my camera, my mic, my lights, you know, all of that stuff, uh, stuff that I really settled on back in 2021 mm -hmm. and had, it has been a stable year and I'm still using all that stuff. The main component of that, those, the center went from being a Mac Pro to being the Mac Studio. Right. And pretty, you know, considering it's a, it's a completely different processor, uh, pretty flawless substitution too. I mean, mm -hmm. all that same stuff is plugged into this new architecture and I'm using the same software and it all still works. And it's all, and it's all definitely faster, uh, you know, does everything, renders faster, uh, allows me to, you know, move around in the timeline and edit faster and stuff. So, I mean, the main improvement's just been that one item right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it's, I find it fascinating that for both of us, it's all about um, video. Well, yeah, because that's, I mean, my main output is those five, actually seven videos a week, really, um, two for Patreon, at least. And, and actually, it's more like eight or nine, because I do usually a short video for either YouTube shorts, TikTok, or Instagram reels, or quite frequently all three um, in, in a week, which is, for me, another, I guess, if there's going to be a change, something we haven't talked about, um, but... 
you know, I've really seen the emergence of short form video right. go right. from being this sideshow kind of like, oh, this is extra little thing. And there's been plenty of sideshows over the years. Oh, I'll make memes. Oh, I'll make these little images, these PDFs, these little eBooks, whatever it is. But short form video has really come on in 2022 as a tiny sideshow at the beginning to a point now where um, it's getting really interesting. And I'm starting to think is like, I need to master how to make my content in you know one minute to three minute videos. And, and part of that I think is the competition. Like for video online, there's no competition. It hasn't been for years. It's YouTube. You know, there's really nothing else out there. There are minor players and people do right. it themselves. Right. But if you want to master online video, it's YouTube. You go to YouTube to do that. If you want to master audio, it's podcasts. It's got to, you have to have a podcast feed. It's podcasting. But short form video, TikTok is in the lead, but YouTube shorts is going, is catching up fast. And Instagram reels is also fastly becoming this third one and so you have competition you have like and i don't see any of those three going away matter of fact it might even be more being added to that list what um, i find interesting yeah. um is a couple things one is when i visit youtube um, mm -hmm. my desktop i use I, I don't go to the youtube homepage by default i go right. to my subscriptions so that i'm seeing videos from those creators that I've specifically requested to see them. And it's in reverse chronological yeah. order. It's it's like, it's what everybody says they want out of a social media feed. That's how you get it out of YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, the number of, of thumbnails now that are YouTube shorts is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, I would say at least half of the thumbnails that show up in my feed right now are of people doing YouTube shorts. And I just, I find that really fascinating. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been experimenting with shorts lately. Mm -hmm. um, I've done some, um, I, I'm not doing um, uh, Instagram. I'm uploading them to YouTube and to TikTok. Mm -hmm. um, and the issue that I have there is that while TikTok lets me go longer than a minute, if you exceed a minute on YouTube, it's no longer a short, it's yeah. still a video but it's not a short and i am not sure the pros and cons of going that way it's funny before recording before we set up to record today um i was doing some of my video recording for the for my weekly batch of articles and uh that includes now both doing a uh, a long form horizontal video um, for YouTube that gets you know posted with the article and so forth but lately i've said okay fine let's do a 1 minute video uh, mm -hmm. At the same time, while I've you know while I've got the article in front of me, while I'm in the mindset and so forth, and so I do these one-minute vertical videos. It can be a challenge when the article you're trying to summarize is twelve steps to doing something. Oh yeah, it becomes a matter of okay, how quickly can you read twelve steps? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's funny the one time that I actually. I used software to increase my delivery rate. Mm -hmm. In other words, the video came out to be like a minute and 10 seconds. So I just said, okay, fine, speed up the video. Um, and you could do that now without altering the pitch and all that kind of stuff. Right. Somebody noticed, which I found fascinating. Um, so I'm trying, I mean, you know, I'm trying very much to avoid that and just trying to do it with clever editing and such, but, but yes, yes. Uh, short form video is a thing. And I mean, I've been experimenting in that. Uh, I, and, in that and I think a, 
Yeah, and I think a big part of it is like what you said about the front page and all that is all of the short form, those three formats I talked about, they all work in the same way in that you just, you go and you kind of swipe up, right? right. Um, and you go to the next one and it's just going to feed you it through an algorithm. So it's not just that it's short form and it's vertical and all of that, but it's fed, it, it's part of this feed, this algorithmic feed. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, it's going to be fascinating. And what I think is going to be interesting in the competition is the revenue streams is because all three are trying to come up. Well, I don't, right. I don't know too much about what Instagram's doing, but I know YouTube and TikTok are going to be pretty soon head to head competing for the creators. And, you know, they're going to be, you know, saying, oh, we'll pay creators more or we'll play creators this way. And then creators are going to be pulled in both directions. But that's probably going to mean for a while pretty fertile revenue area for people that want to create stuff because you know up until now it's been tiktok saying well we'll throw a little bit of money your way right to, to make you happy now it's like oh now we now youtube oh they're going to throw more okay we have to up it you know and and that's going to you know cause a lot of people to try to really up their game make really good stuff and i don't know it's going to be fascinating so i i would say that it's a big story of 2022 is this short form video but actually I'm going to say it's going to be the big story of 2023. Wait we'll to see. see where we're going to be this time next year is going it, to be really interesting. It's funny because I think that one of the things that uh, I often struggle with with my videos, one of the, I don't want to say it's a common comment, but it it's common enough is that um, I'll have people that say, get to the point, right? I'll give yeah. them a, a relatively short video that discusses a topic uh -huh. and gives them an answer, but there's always somebody who's impatient and wants me to get to the point. Great. Shorts, that's all you can do. <laughs> yeah, you don't have much, you don't have much choice. Like you all said, you can about do, all you can do in a short is present the point and hope that that's enough. So I'm hopeful that, um, uh, you know, the impatient among us uh, will be able to not only get answers from shorts, but uh, that you and I can structure them in such a way so that they're not only a way to make ourselves seen by more people, but mm -hmm. also act as a gateway so that when somebody says, well, you know, darn it, I need more information, um, that we have a, an easy way to make that happen as well. Yep. We shall see. I agree. 2023, the year of shorts. Okay. Uh, let's so see. Something else we talked about earlier last year, earlier this year, I guess, um, was of course, Ukraine. Ukraine's been a thing all, all the time, but I think that, um, um, Starlink is one of those things that came up in our discussion as being a fascinating and enabling technology for um, uh, for what's going on over there. And it seems to kind of have worked. I mean, uh -huh. the, even though the, the outside connections to the internet are potentially broken, um, you know, it hasn't gone away. We're still seeing a steady stream of content coming out of the Ukraine. And actually, I think that that's pretty cool. Regardless of what else might be going on with certain personalities associated with the technology, <laughs> the technology itself has been pretty cool. Yeah, I just heard from uh, whoever it is that uh, the CEO of that company, I don't even remember the name. Um, it uh, just announced <laughs> 1 million uh, uh, subscribers to Starlink. Interesting. So, yeah. That just was like yesterday, one million. Our yeah. um, our um, former co-host um, mm -hmm. Randy is on Starlink now. Oh, okay. Uh, it's funny because I was um, looking into an issue on his server the other day, <clears throat> and one of the things I needed to do was understand his IP address. 
sure enough, there it is in the log, and it actually, you know, referenced um, uh, Starlink. I uh, forget the actual terminology, but it was clear that it was a Starlink IP address. Which oh, is neat. Cool. I think, yeah, he's, I think cool. he's doing really well with it out there, yeah. Yeah, and I got to use it when I was out in the middle of nowhere at a campsite. So oh, that's right, yeah. Starlink, yeah. yeah so, so, yeah, so that's cool. Definitely a story of 2022. Yep. Um, the other, one of the things, and this isn't so much a story as something that I have just witnessed grow over time. Um, podcasts are old, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. we were listening to podcasts shortly after RSS was invented because RSS is the <laughs> technology that delivers podcast audio files. Um, but you know, it's been 10, 15 years, at least that we've been listening to podcasts, but it's been really, really interesting to see it. Um, explode over the last 12 months. Um, there are way more podcasts from way more interesting people. Um, so much so that the biggest issue I have with podcasts is that I just don't have enough hours in the day to consume the content that I would love to consume from so many different people. Mm. Um, I know that you are also a big audiobook um, fan. Yes. Do you manage to slide in some podcasts into your listening or, or? Or is no, that just not no. Almost never. I mean, it's on, I I do occasionally try. I think I tried listening. I think uh, I listened to a podcast you recommended this year. Okay. Because I wanted to replace my morning news, my morning cable news. Kind of get frustrated before I actually have to do any work in the morning. <laughs> thing, you know, cup of coffee and and get mad at the world. Right. Uh, with like, oh, uh, it's gonna be a cool science podcast. And I took one of your suggestions, and one week into it, they announced that they were shutting out the podcast because they were like, because the company that owned them or something was like switching gears. Ooh, and I, I was like, ah. I, don't, I don't remember that one. Yeah. Huh. So I was like, ah, but that was it. Basically, years and years and years ago, back in the original heyday of podcasting, um, you know, in two thousand and six or whenever it was. I listened to podcasts a lot and uh, I heard a lot the advertisements for Audible. Yes. And so one day I said, <laughs> I'm going to give Audible a try. And since then, <laughs> I've listened to a ton of audiobooks and no podcasts. The That's ad funny. worked too well, you know, but uh, yeah, that, and sometimes I'm jealous. I hear these great stories and interesting yes. things and all that. It was like, I just don't, I, I don't have, there's only so many waking hours in the day. Yep. I, if I start listening to podcasts, then my reading list is going to start falling behind. So the, it's funny. I find that there are a couple of different kinds of podcasts and I haven't decided yet which one I, I prefer. There's the, um, uh, the ongoing series like ours, right? We're on, yeah. what is this? Episode number 179. Yeah. So we've done this 179 times so far. Um, but then there's, I don't know if you want to call it a mini series or a limited series, or basically the podcast isn't so much an ongoing topical or an ongoing interview series. It's got a topic and it covers that topic. And when it covers that topic, they're done. Mm -hmm. um, I have, which to me is essentially an audiobook. I mean, it's, yeah. it's um, delivered in podcast form. Not that, you know, the delivery mechanism is great if, you know, for consumption, but I just find that interesting to, uh, to see that that's how things have developed. Um, audio is audio. It's, it's actually pretty cool. And it's, it's the thing that I really do like is that it's gotten so much wider, um, wider visibility. We're seeing a lot more, uh, a lot more non-techie people doing podcasts and making them available. So back in April, Mm -hmm. We talked about 
I have to say it, Twitter. And some guy whose name I forgot was going to uh, purchase Twitter and do something with it. And uh, he, he did, changed his mind and then he changed changing his mind and then he was forced into it. Um, and then he finally did it. And in recent months in particular, of course, that all has come to a head with all sorts of of headlines and and news making activity uh, related to Twitter. Um, one of the things that I've mentioned to most of my uh, uh, readers uh, is that uh, regardless of what you think is going to happen to Twitter, I strongly recommend you make yourself a presence on one of the alternative sites because mm -hmm. who knows. Um, the, the 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 conclusion that I'm coming to after all this time um, is that. Twitter serves, at least for me, a very important function that uh, I hope will start to be replicated elsewhere. And that is, of all things, real-time news delivery. Um, my, my, my local department of transportation, the government agencies, the, the news stations, the newspaper, um, they're all tweeting, right? They're all uh -huh. in in almost real time. Some of them are doing it in real time, like our state patrol. Um, you know, they are you know, talking about accidents moments after they happen so that you can avoid the area, those kinds of things. And I don't have a good alternative for that. Most of them are posting on Facebook, but not in that same real time manner. And it's not coming across in that same real time manner. Mm -hmm. um, there are alternative platforms where that could be happening. Uh, but I think that there is such a high degree of risk for these news organizations and government organizations to make a change um, that they're very, very reluctant to. Um, to the extent that Twitter survives, at least for me, as something that I pay attention to, it's going to continue to be um, sort of a, a, a stream of consciousness news feed rather than uh, the, uh, what was the phrase the guy used, the, uh, the town square, the, mm. you know, the, 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 uh, a place for public discussion. No, I don't want any public discussion on Twitter because it's just gone too far in the wrong, <laughs> in the wrong directions. Just have, have it be a news feed and I'll be a happy, happy guy. Um, but yeah. I just think that it's been interesting that, uh, for one thing, I was surprised that it was back in April that all this started. Um, wow. I would not, I would not have said, um, that it had been that you know been in long, progress for that long, long year, and um, and yeah, given what happened in April, um, gee, look at where we are. I um, I actually uh, kind of started this week going more away from Twitter myself. Um, the main thing that prompted me after all this stuff going on was the kind of arbitrary banning of of some journalists, some tech journalists. Yes, yes. Uh, it you know it actually scared me more that it seemed ridiculous the reason given for their banning. Yes. If it had been something specific, I would have been like, oh, I don't like that. But the fact that it was like, what? That doesn't even make sense. The reason right. they're giving isn't even the right reason that you know uh, that they were giving exact locations of Elon Musk, which they weren't. So which I don't, they were not doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, oh, that scares me even more that the reason they stated wasn't even true. You know. So that actually pushed me over the edge. I um, started making a specific effort to tweet less. I actually have a kind of a bot-like MacMost Twitter account that it even says as the as the you know description is this is where you're going to find all the posts. Like when something's new is posted, 
then it's going to be here on Twitter, right? So right. you can kind of follow it as like an RSS feed. So that's still there. But I was also posting the stuff to my own account. Mm -hmm. I took that away. And I took mm -hmm. away a lot of the little things that I had built over the years to help me ask questions and start conversations. I just took all that away right. and decided, okay, I wasn't, I don't feel like contributing to this uh, <laughs> anymore. Yeah. I started increasing my presence at Mastodon. Right. Um, and, and I saw you did too, kind of, you started, yep. you know, and we talked about counter social before, which is actually a federated instance of Mastodon. It's so, an un unfederated. Unfederated. Yeah. Yes. So there's, there's kind of a link, but there's also not. So I have a counter social thing, which I may just use as more of a fun, you know, place to be and Mastodon, which I'm going to think about trying to replace Twitter in some ways. Yep. Uh, but I so the interesting thing I did was that I said, oh, I should try to get more followers at Mastodon. One way to do that is go over to Twitter and say, hey, if you want to follow me elsewhere, follow me here at Mastodon. And then I got an error message <laughs> when I tried to post it. And I actually commented on this. I hadn't realized that earlier in that same day, that was a big story. Right. Yes. It wasn't I didn't discover this. A whole bunch of people discovered it about 12 hours before I did. And I just happened to, if I had thought of it the day before, my post would have gone up. So then I I was like, ah, so then I wrote an obscure, like, oh, if you want to follow me, follow me at the elephant like one, here's how to do it. Um, <laughs> and then I then I basically realized, oh, wait, I have my own websites. I can just create a redirect uh, web page somewhere. And I posted that uh, as a redirect web page. Some point, though, it depends on the redirect technology. But yeah. I think the the normal 301s at some point they started detecting those, so they were actually yeah. looking not at the um, at the link in the in the tweet, but the uh, the where it ended up. Yeah, um, so not for I, me. So it I got very lucky. Um, yeah. I actually ended up. Um, I don't know if I saw the writing on the wall, but I just said, okay, enough is enough. Um, I stopped. Um, I've stopped tweeting on both my personal and Ask Leo Twitter yeah. accounts. Um, and I actually was able to change the description and the username, not the username, the the name uh, associated uh, yeah, with the that. handle yeah. mm -hmm. um, to be the, uh, to include or be the Mastodon um, ID. And that worked. And had I waited, like you said, 12 hours, it probably would not have worked. Um, but yeah, I've I've got, I did the same thing that you were doing. Um, my Ask Leo one was mostly, because uh, uh, it just wasn't getting a lot of engagement there to begin with. Mostly it was just automated posts of things that were happening over on the website. Um, I've turned all that off. Nothing's going to Twitter. And um, I'm working on the various automations that let me do roughly the same kind of thing with Mastodon. Uh, so we'll see how it all lands up. But yes, it's uh, it's it's that is perhaps one of the bigger stories in yes. the uh, um, of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Let's see. Apple stuff. Is yes. what I have listed. So it's it's not been a quiet year for Apple, but it's been a it, there's been stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, Apple didn't really, it wasn't a hugely remarkable year, but there were some things. Uh, the Mac Studio was a completely new model they came out with. Um, and but the, and they also came out with their first kind of consumer priced display, still at the high end. But, you know, and I'm looking at both of those things right now, the Mac Studio and the Studio Display. Um, they also came up with a second uh, processor in their line, the M2, and put it into a couple of MacBooks. 
Um, and I'm also looking at one of those. How strange. Uh, they came out with their new versions of their operating system, the, the new iPhone, you know, typical thing. A lot of attention on the new iPhone having some cool features like the crash detection and also the, uh, you know, the kind of uh, emergency satellite communication network which, thing. Which I've actually heard um, has already saved a couple of people. Yep. And, and these these things are, you know, it's so it's so easy. I'm sure other tech companies are kind of slapping their foreheads because they, you know, first Apple had the um, the uh, technology for the for the watch where it could detect like if you're having like your heart might be in distress or whatever. Right. And of course, you know, you know that there are going to be millions of people with these. So Apple is going to put this out, and the number of lives saved is going to be greater than zero. <laughs> <laughs> right. So right away, so it's like, wow, you know, what what more can you ask for? And the same thing with like the, you know, the emergency satellite stuff. It's like pretty quickly the number of lives saved is going to be greater than zero. And it's such a big win to put that life-saving kind of stuff in technology. Right. So that's been, you know, that's been Apple's year. Um, you know, in terms of new new stuff, uh, just uh, everything just moving forward a bit. Uh, plenty of rumors, plenty of stuff still rumored for the future, uh, car, VR goggles, all that stuff. But right. uh, this year it was just taking their existing products, improving them. There's the Apple Watch Ultra um, they came out with as well. And uh, and yeah, so so it's plenty, funny but also not not that much that's too exciting. It's funny because every time you know we go through on the podcast, uh, another set of Apple announcements or whatever. Mm. I feel kind of at a loss because I don't have an equivalent thing for yeah. the Windows side of things. And that's because among other things, it's too distributed, right? I, mm -hmm. We would rather than be talking about, you know, the Apple hardware, I'd be talking about the Dell hardware and the, the Lenovo hardware and the this hardware and the that hardware. And there's so many of these different things coming out all the time that they basically um, fade into the background. There's always something yeah. going on. Windows itself, it's been a quiet year, right? I mean, mm. they've just been pumping out um, Windows and Windows 10 and Windows 11 updates. Um, you know, there've been features and, you know, there's, as always, some of them are controversial. Some of them aren't. There have been small percentages of people that get annoyed um, by Windows update. And for the most part, things just keep working. So it seems like it's, um, I don't necessarily want to say that um, 2022 has been uh, a year of, of stagnation, but it's been a year of essentially slow and steady progress as opposed to um, big upheaval. Mm. So um, let's see. <laughs> One of the other topics that came up, this actually, again, also came up earlier in the year, but then came up again in recent yeah. weeks, um, was AI, the concept of AI. Now, earlier in the year, we were talking about things like the, uh, the photo generators and a few other things. But now we've all come back to chat GPT, which is something I think we talked about if it wasn't the last episode, it was the episode before that, or both. Yeah. Um, the uh, so that's been uh, big in the news. That I think, um, much like you were saying, uh, story for 2023. I think that that's another one where we're going to see some some really interesting and potentially scary things, or at least conceptually scary things, happening over the course of the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, yeah, like kind of like. Uh, what we were talking about before with shorts, it's like a big story in 2022, but I think it's going to be even, an even bigger story in 2023. Um, on the space front, because we yeah. can't not talk about space, um, yeah. is uh, the James Webb Space Telescope. 
mm-hmm. and its launch and the amazing photographs that um, it's been sending back uh, to, of our of the universe essentially. Um, it's just the the fact that this is another one of those things where uh, one of the things I say about technology in general, computers in general, is that sometimes I'm amazed that anything works at all, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've seen the sausage being made. I've participated in the sausage <laughs> being made. I know how many different things can go wrong at any given time. Um, man, the fact that the, that the JWST, I mean, its launch, its positioning, its initial pictures, they were almost flawless. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there were a couple of glitches, don't get me wrong, but they were also glitches that they recovered from and mm-hmm. we're still just getting this amazing stuff from them. So that to me, um, in terms of the, uh, the, the annals of science for 2022, that's the big one. It really is. Yeah, I, uh, I'm excited. Uh, we see the pretty pictures, of course, but I'm excited about you know, the fact that there's tons of data going to professional astronomers now yes. that are is, we're going to see in years to come because it takes a long time for science yeah. <laughs> and we're going to see some fantastic uh you know uh, bits of science done on the data that comes back of course we didn't expect to see any of that in 2022 it takes a long time for you know hypotheses to be formulated and tested and and papers to be written and peer reviewed and all of that but i you know if the JWST pushes forward astronomy as much as Hubble did. Mm-hmm. That's going to be huge, and there's potential it could push it forward even much more. So super exciting. And then of course other, uh, you know, we had other space stuff of, uh, you know, the first in the Artemis missions. Yeah, Artemis was on my list. I thought it was interesting. I, I yeah. you know, again, I don't want to necessarily say that it was flawless, but it sure seemed to go well. Yeah, did you know? I I just read and we have scheduled for 2023. It may not happen. Uh, a a manned orbit moon orbital mission from from SpaceX supposed to come up next year. Oh no, I didn't know that. So that's yeah. not Artemis. That would be SpaceX. That's, that's SpaceX, yeah. not a landing or any part of anything like that. But right. they're supposed to be sending a bunch of people uh, in a spacecraft around the moon on like a five day trip or something like that. Uh, so that could happen before we even see the next Artemis mission, which isn't until 2024. I was going to say, I knew Art- the next Artemis was a ways out there. Yeah. Um, so on one hand, I'm glad they're taking their time. On the other hand, I want to see it. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, speaking of travel, I guess, it's a slightly smaller scope. Yeah. Um, you and I both did some traveling to Europe this year. And I think mm-hmm. one of the interesting things we ended up agreeing on was um, how some of the technology landscape has changed for the better, particularly in Europe and particularly when it comes to um, cash. Yeah, money. Lack, lack thereof. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that in both our cases, um, our Apple Pay and Google Pay and, um, you know, just just kind of sort of worked, um, which is yeah. not something we could have said just a few years ago. So that and, was actually and- kind of cool. Yeah, and just the whole technology of you know get, being able to, you know, pay with your phone at at your table or even order from your phone when you're sitting at the table and have food brought to you. I mean, it was just uh, kind of. I, I was just actually sitting this last weekend 
with my wife at a restaurant and we got the bill at the end and had to put the credit card on the bill and let the waiter come and take it away. And, you know, I, I looked at her and I said, do you remember earlier this year when we were in the future? <laughs> <laughs> now we're way back at like 20 years in the past. It is pretty funny because we've been out for dinner a time or two. And yes, I absolutely now noticed that, um, that I have to give this physical card to somebody <laughs> who then takes it into the back and does unknown things with it. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, there are a couple of restaurants we go to that... Um, a couple of them have an on-table device that you can use to pay. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like literally they have a device on every table, yeah. which as it turns out, happens to have a card reader. But I believe <laughs> that um, one of the places that I went to, gosh, it's been, I've lost track of which one it is, but they bring out the bill, right? But the bill yeah. has a QR code on it. Yeah, yeah. And you scan the QR code and then you pay by phone. That to me actually is probably the best approach to it right now, um, especially for, for businesses that aren't necessarily interested in investing in yet another version of a credit card reader. Yep. And we've talked about that before. Several restaurants I go to do it that way, yeah. which is it was just, you know, huge yeah. leap forward. Not as good as Europe, but huge leap forward. I threw LastPass on my list uh, for the year just mm -hmm. because, you know, they had a data breach in August. Um, and some more information about it came to light in the last couple of months. I mention it here only because um, it got a lot of press mm -hmm. and um, I'm of a mixed mind, right? I've not run away from LastPass because ultimately uh, my data, my password vault um, was not compromised and in fact could not be compromised by um, any kind of a uh, of a hack or a breach at their end. But I also understand that um, individuals, people who are considering password managers always see this kind of thing as super scary uh, yeah. because they don't they don't understand the technology behind it, nor that should they really need to understand the technology behind it. Um, so I've been um, this year rather than spending a lot of time just defending LastPass, I've been telling people, you know what? Fine. If if you're not comfortable with LastPass, I am. So if I'm an example, great. Um, but if that's not enough, if you're still uncomfortable with it, there are so many other good tools out there right now. This is one of those. This is one of those um, segments where there are multiple really good tools to do the job. Yeah. And using any one of these good tools to do the job is so much more secure than not using any of them, <laughs> right? So I did right. want to uh, to mention that out, uh, to mention that for the year as well. Cool. Yeah, definitely. I've recently had a comment about that as well. And yeah, the important thing being uh, somebody had mentioned, oh, you know, you, you recommended a bunch of uh, password managers and note that LastPass had this issue and they pointed to the article, which had a headline saying Pass, LastPass has data breach. And I had to add a comment there saying, uh, hey, also keep in mind the pass people's passwords weren't um, compromised. Right. And this is what you want to happen. Yes. You want the transparency. Yep. This is what you brought up originally when we talked about this. You want the transparency from the, you want the company to be able to come out and say, hey, we lost some of our data here. It didn't affect your passwords. Here's exactly what happened and all of that. What you don't want is the company to be penalized for coming out because that means the next time some other company gets it, they're going to be like, oh, let's hush it up. Because right. 
yeah, we right. want everybody to be open and honest and all that. So anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good roundup, I think, of uh, our topics. for. It'll be year. interesting to see what 2023, oh, it's so hard for me to say 2023, 2023 I, I know. know. Um, but then I'm a guy who is still pretty amazed that, oh, I'm going to be how old when I get to two th the year 2000? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So in the ain't it cool uh, range yep. of things, realm of things, um, I actually, this is technically, it's a repeat um, because I've mentioned it before. It's uh, the audiobook in this case, The Innovators, How a Group of Hackers, Geniuses, and Geeks Created the Digital Revolution. Um, I've been listening to that in pieces as I spend time on my elliptical each morning, and I continue to find it absolutely fascinating. Right now, they're up to the uh, the creation of the personal computer. And what I'm finding is that as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, okay, where was I? Oh, I was, I was doing this. I was doing that. Um, basically, it's telling me everything that I missed that I wish now I would have been paying attention to oh, yeah. as uh, it was yeah. happening, because, um, you know, I, I came to to this technology, the stuff we're doing today, um, kind of via an odd tangent that didn't involve users groups and hackers and and uh, um, uh, bulletin boards and and all the other kinds of things that were going on with the personal computer world. So I, I'm still finding it a fascinating listen um, and I'm enjoying it. I also have here, I want to, I'll call this a cautious also ran. Uh, mm -hmm. We finished the first season of White Lotus last night and mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm of a mixed mind. I say mm -hmm. that because it's fascinating. Have you seen it? I have I've definitely seen season one and okay. I enjoyed it and it was fascinating. And I just started literally like last night. I watched okay. the first episode of season two. Okay. We'll probably be where you are tonight. The yeah. um the for me, the issue is that it's gotten so much good press that I was expecting, I guess, more than it really was. I mean, it's an interesting story and there's some quirks and some frustrations and some characters and so forth. Mm -hmm. But it 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 didn't, to me, it didn't quite live up to the hype. Now, what I'm hearing from other folks is that season two is better, quirkier, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, so I guess we'll find out. But I just wanted to mention White Lotus as something that um, we took a chance on and we decided to go ahead and watch the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't have uh, really much. Uh, so, you know, I had to think about this because I haven't been watching much on TV. I haven't been watching much on TV and I have not. Um, I've been slowly moving through a book. So I don't really have too much new to report and mm -hmm. ain't it cool. But I, I do. Uh, one thing I don't think I've mentioned is the Netflix uh, animated short series, which I think has like three different seasons up there now called love death and robots um that uh, I, I actually i saw this in the notes and i don't know if you talked about it to me offline or whatever i actually searched the archives and i couldn't find a reference to it so this might be the first time it's on the yeah. podcast anyway it's a bunch of animated shorts from different animators that i guess they get packaged up uh in this netflix series and they're very usually very sci-fi uh based uh, mm -hmm. Some of them are funny, the humorous things. Some mm -hmm. of them are more serious. They pretty much all make you think. And I love it because they range in like times from like five minutes to 20 minutes. 
So what I usually do is if I, you know, the wife and I are like watching different programs in different rooms and I end up being the odd man out, like with 15 minutes to fill before her show ends. It's like, <laughs> oh, let me, let me see what, if there's a 15 minute episode of this. And I'm, I think I've watched every short at this point, except I think I might have one left, but it, it's definitely something if you like that kind of thing, it's easy, fun, interesting. It, it reminds, some of the stuff reminds me a little bit of Black Mirror, but with humor and of course, being animated, it could be anything. It could be right. far future, it could be talking animals, it could be, you know, whatever. Um, so it's really creative stuff. I'm assuming there's a variety of animation styles. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. From, you know, cartoony to hyper realistic. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so, as always, we have no sponsors other than ourselves. This week, I'll mm -hmm. point everybody at Is OneDrive a Backup? It's askleo.com slash 150896. Honestly, the topic applies to OneDrive, to Dropbox, to Google Drive, so forth. Any of those tools that uh, basically lets you synchronize a collection of local files up to some kind of cloud storage. Um, yeah. I think it's important to understand what it is and especially what it is not. I have had too many people um, assume that these services are doing much, much more than they are. And they are surprised when they find out that what they thought was backed up isn't, or that when something happens to their cloud account, um, all of a sudden they've still lost everything that they thought was backed up. So mm -hmm. it's it's a refresher on exactly what it what the tool is and is not. Um, to quote the old breakfast cereal ad, it is part of a healthy breakfast or a healthy backup, um, mm -hmm. but it is only a part. Yep. Um, the video I did this week, ha have you heard of the new Apple Freeform app? I ran into a video that I think you did. I did, okay. Well, okay, so Apple came out with a, a, a new app called Freeform, and it's a Mac, iPad, and iPhone uh, on the latest update that they came out with. And it is a uh, very simplistic kind of drawing uh, creativity whiteboard tool that has very few options and is kind of frustrating what you can't do has very few export options and it's very restricted in how you can share stuff and collaborate with people and all that said uh it is kind of a hit <laughs> um, say, sounds cool yeah are you sure yeah it's <laughs> it, it's kind of a hit and i think it it's got something to do with the simplicity. It's got something to do with the fact that they didn't throw everything in the kitchen sink into it. They threw in some very specific tools and people are enjoying the kind of like, oh, I can get my head around this and create stuff. And I, I did a, a video on it that I'll link to. Um, I already have another video in the can about some more tips. And I think I really, um, I did a Patreon video just talking about why it, why is it a hit? And while making the video, I think I actually came up with, you know, the whole summary of the thing, which is I was showing off this cool thing I created in it, and I was saying how hey, I could have done this same thing in Pages or Keynote easily, but having used those tools for 10, 15 years, it never occurred to me to do this. Right. With one week with this tool, and I thought of this idea and I did it. So that's kind of interesting. Yes. You know, yep. and it yep. kind of describes what might what might be the reason why this is a hit. So anyway, uh, I'll point to my my initial video that introduces this new tool, Freeform. Very cool. Mm -hmm. I think that pretty much wraps us up, not just for today, but for the year. We'll be taking yeah. next week off since it's the week between Christmas and New Year. 
Mm -hmm. um, as always, uh, show notes for this week are out at tehpodcast.com slash teh179. If you've got a comment or a question for us, leave it there. We see them. I wish everybody a very happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, a, a happy whatever you may be celebrating during yep. this time of year, um, even if it's just being together with family and friends. Uh -huh. Until next year, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.